We are in the third week of our message series for Lent called Seriously God? Making sense when life doesn't make sense. It's a series that actually makes sense in this confusing world. Two weeks ago, we introduced three principles that are essential to this series, so we want to keep them in mind. Number one, it makes sense that God doesn't always make sense to us because God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and we are not. So, of course, it makes sense that God doesn't always think and act as we would think and act. Secondly, when God does not make sense, we can grow in our understanding of God because He has revealed Himself to us through the Scriptures and the person of Jesus Christ. So when God doesn't make sense, we want to reflect and pray on these instances and these circumstances in our lives so that we can actually draw closer to God when things seem difficult. Lastly, we want to be careful not to confuse God not making sense with life not making sense. That is, sometimes people make decisions in life that affect our lives adversely, which has little to do with God, more to do with free will of somebody else acting in ways that have a negative effect upon us. Last week, we looked at how to make sense of it when God says no. Jesus shows us that God's no's are to help us to live in true freedom a freedom from being enslaved to things like our desires, enslaved to evil, enslaved to the opinions and whims of other people. If you want to review any of these ideas, you can find them in detail on our website, saintmary.life. Just click on the homilies tab. This week, we're examining the times where we feel as if God has let us down. Therefore, the subtitle of today's Homily is, seriously, God, you let me down. The promises of life where maybe we feel like God didn't deliver, or when God allows major problems in our lives that derail our deepest desires. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, for example, we set our hearts on a dream. We face insurmountable problems, and maybe we feel like God just doesn't care. Maybe sometimes we set out in a direction that seems wise, and then a massive storm or situation crashes into our lives, and it seems like God doesn't care. Also, evil still seems pervasive in the world, does it not? And because God allows evil in the world and the other things we just mentioned, we may sometimes begin to doubt God's goodness. Throughout the first book of the Bible, which we heard from this morning, the book of Genesis, we learned the problem of evil cannot be solved simply by wiping all the evil or bad people off the face of the earth. I think God tried that once or twice, right? Think of Noah and the flood. The problem of evil, the problem of sin, though, goes much deeper. Evil lives in the human heart. It's an example of how the human race doesn't know its creator, its maker, which grieves God's heart because God desires every human being to know him and love him. That's his deepest desire for us. Therefore, God decides, we read in the book of Genesis, 
to form a right relationship with one singular person. He's going to bring blessing to the whole world, this person, through God. Rather than solve the problem of evil in one fell swoop, God will begin with one person and spread out His righteousness and goodness through this one person. The person God chooses is Abram, who is later called Abraham. There's something about Abram, a fact that needs to be deeply understood or the rest of Abram's story won't make sense. Abram was childless, and Sarai, his wife, was one unable to have children. Of course, this can be difficult for any couple. You or someone you know may struggle with infertility and desperately want a child. It's heartbreaking to want a child and not be able to have one. As challenging as infertility is in our culture, it was more tragic for Abram and Sarai. In their worldview, bearing children was everything. In our culture, we emphasize personal achievement and finding satisfaction through things like completing work and personal goals. In Abram's world, children were essential. Your value and your worth, and in a sense, your immortality came from having children with generations to follow you. There was no sense of personal achievement as we understand it today. In ancient times, all the hopes and dreams of a man and his family rested in the firstborn son. But Abram had no son. He feels desperation from this lack of a son. He comes from a wealthy family, so he lacks for nothing materially, but he desperately and painfully wants a son. So here the stage is set. We have two main characters, God on one hand, Abram on the other. God has this plan to bring humanity back into right relationship with him. And then there's Abram who simply wants a son. God had promised Abram he would make of Abram a great nation. God will bless him. God will make his name great. In all three of these promises, when you think about it, Abram would have understood God was promising him a son. For from a nation to come from Abram, for God to make his name great, Abram would require descendants, which obviously requires a son. Abram doesn't begin following God either simply because he feels a need for God. He needs a son, and he follows God because he hopes God will give him what he desires. Perhaps many of us begin a relationship with God because we have desires that don't necessarily include God. We come to God because we want something. We come to God because we hope he will deliver this thing that we want. God humbles himself so much that he accepts all of us all the same. How amazing of our all-powerful God that he would humble himself, graciously accept us, even though we come to him with ulterior motives. Abraham, also like us, can be wishy-washy. He will believe in God and kind of do what God says, but then he will hedge his bets. Abram becomes Abraham, our father in faith. But if you read the story carefully, you'll see he is far from a perfect father. Abraham doesn't entirely trust God, 
and we see how his lack of trust delays his desire for a son. God must wait. He waits to give Abram his son because Abraham does not fully trust him. To bless the whole world through Abram, God must bring Abram to a deeper faith. Years had passed from God's original promise of a son and Abram had begun to fear that his dream of a son would never come to fruition. Sometimes we have great fears too. There can be a great fear that our hopes and dreams for the future will not come to fruition. It's natural to experience that fear. And when we do, God invites us instead to turn away from our fear and to have faith and trust in him. So God tells Abram, do not fear. There will be a great reward for placing your faith and trust in me. Abram then says to God, what can you give me? In other words, God, you can't give me anything. You've not proven yourself to me. I still have no son. You haven't delivered and consequently I have no legacy. Maybe you're feeling like that right now. You hear God say, fear not. But you think God hasn't come through for you or your family. Maybe God promised you something like blessing in your life. Maybe you're saying to God, you promised it would be worth it to follow you. You feel like God promised you a child. You feel like God promised blessing in your family. Maybe you feel like God promised peace in all of your relationships in your family. That would be a dream. Maybe you feel like God promised you a sense of purpose in your life. Maybe you feel like God promised you to get into that college you wanted to go to. Maybe you feel like God promised you were going to win whatever sports game that you happened to engage in because you prayed before the game began. Maybe you feel like God promised you a job that you would love for the rest of your life. In those times, we need to check and make sure it really is a promise of God. And if it is, in fact, something God promised us, it's okay to tell God we feel let down by him. It's okay to vent to God. He can handle it. That's what Abram does. And God does not criticize Abram. Instead, he gives him a sign. This is where we pick up today's first reading. God takes Abram outside and has him look at the stars. In an age without electric lights, the night sky has countless stars. Maybe you've been out to sea or up in the mountains or something like that and looked up at the sky. And it's just so full of stars, you can't even imagine how people ever picked out constellations thousands of years ago. Because there's so many stars in the sky. It's almost dizzying there's so many stars. Well, this interaction with God and looking up at the sky helped Abram to put his faith back in God. Notice what it said in that first reading. It says, God credited to Abram as an act of righteousness. In other words, this is what God was after. Simply believing God has value to God. Trusting God puts us in right relationship with him. Think about that. Any right relationship, any proper or appropriate relationship is built on trust. Whether we're talking about our human relationships with each other or our relationship with God. It's built on trust. And like God encouraging Abram and helping him grow in right relationship built on trust, in the gospel that we heard this morning, God encourages Peter, James, and John because they are losing hope. 
This is why Jesus appears as dazzling on the mountaintop. And God says, this is my son. Listen to him. He wants those apostles to trust him, hope in him, and believe. Just like with the apostles and Abram, God wants a right relationship with you. God wants a right relationship with you built on trust. St. Paul tells us in the second reading we heard today, when the world disappoints and hurts, remember our citizenship is in heaven. We have a relationship there built on trust. That is our true home. When there are storms and problems in life that get in the way of our heart's greatest desires, we often throw our hands up and ask, why God? Why me? A better question might be, what God? What? What do you want me to do now? What does trusting you in this situation look like? In what way do you want me to react and grow from this experience? There's a music composer named Laura Story. In her song titled Blessings, she writes, When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, the pain serves to remind our heart, this is not our home. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? Pray for wisdom, his voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. All the while you hear each desperate plea and long we have faith to believe. Pray this week for the grace to place your hope and trust in God. Read chapter 2 of Seriously God and continue this conversation in your small group.